We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Wilson. How awesome was it to be able to sit down on Saturday and watch college football for the first time in months and months and months? It was so much fun to watch. So glad I was able to watch all five games, bits and pieces of all five games. That's be, that'll be one of the things I talk about in this episode. I'll do a little breakdown of week zero. Also going to look into week one in the next slate of games. We'll look into look into that and see, see some of my predictions for some of the bigger games. Also going to look into the alliance. Um, give you my two cents on that talk about something that came out today about the big 12 conference and possible expansion opportunities so there's some meetings going on tomorrow but first i want to dive into something that's just kind of come to a to uh to a head here let's let's talk a little bit about bishop sycamore all right i i think i think all of us or a lot of us have seen them playing IMG Academy on ESPN, a nationally televised game on ESPN. IMG Academy, of course, the powerhouse high school program. They're just another level of of greatness on the high school level when it comes to football. Basically, what you would say would be a prep school from a basketball perspective, but with high school players. So Bishop Sycamore comes on. They're allegedly i say allegedly a uh basically an online charter high school um but there's never been there's never been a bishop sycamore high school ever they played two games in three days just just think about that from a football perspective anybody who's ever played football knows that you just cannot play that many football games in that short a period of time football is such a physically demanding sport we all know this i think the most amazing thing out of this whole thing well first let's let's get into how it was 30 to nothing like it just the start of the second quarter i want to say i i didn't watch the game i've just seen just seen clips of everything it was 30 to nothing in the second quarter i saw 44 to nothing in the late in the third quarter just just a real beat down and IMG could have just made it a lot worse than what they did and thankfully they didn't because th- th- it was a safety risk at, and that's what the commentators at ESPN even brought up that it was a potential safety risk which which that just tells you the mismatch that it really was but it's, it came out today that the head coach for Bishop Sycamore currently has an active arrest warrant. And most of the players on the Bishop Sycamore roster are junior college dropouts who are nowhere near high school age. Just 
just an amazing thing that, that that they first off that they were able to pull this off pull this over on ESPN like nobody at ESPN did their research like hey maybe we should look into this school before we put them on national television against arguably the best team in America like hey maybe we should look into this i guess not because it happened how amazing is that I, I just had to share share that. If you hadn't seen that, it, it, it's a pretty amazing story, actually. Something that I honestly, as as I was reading it, I I, I just I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what was going on. All right, so now now I'm gonna now I digress. I'm gonna go into talking about Big Twelve expansion. This is something that's just kind of came out uh, today. Um, well, I mean, obviously it's been talked about for a while, but sources are confirming the Big 12 ex- Expansion Committee is set to meet tomorrow. Um, the meeting is set to address the conference's interest in BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Very, very intrigued to see how that turns out. I think we would all agree that Houston obviously makes sense because of the proximity to the other programs. Obviously adding the uh, Houston is the fourth biggest city in the United States, I want to say. So obviously adding that market to your conference is obviously huge. They deserve it. This the team the program deserves it. Cincinnati, I think we can all agree deserves it as well. I have gone on the record many times already this year saying that Cincinnati is a college football playoff level team and a team that I personally think is going to make the college football playoff. And if they do that, I, they deservedly should be allowed to move up in that stance. I think UCF obviously makes sense for the things that they've done in the past. That program is basically run like a power five already. So they, they should more than they're more than ready they got a great coach great facilities orlando is a great area obviously they deserve it i think that the team that's intriguing though is byu because i think on paper a lot of people look at byu and they just think they don't really like does byu really deserve that I, and they do i i'm super super excited for the, for the opportunity in the future to go to Provo, Utah and watch a game. I've been to Salt Lake City, Utah. As a member of the Grand Valley State basketball team, we played at the University of Utah. Salt Lake City, the state of Utah is beautiful. This is a program that has a, t- a ton of accolades in the past. Like the In the 80s, this was one of the best programs in America. I think, what, I think a lot of people, when they moved independent, basically said like, can they make it? And I think they've, they've done more than prove that they can make it. They've thrived. One thing I've seen talked about is, is this even an upgrade for BYU to go to the Big 12? Personally, I, I mean, I think it is. I, I mean, obviously, there's the draws of being an independent and the money that you can make off that, which they've been able to do with having BYU TV um, has been a huge, huge asset for them. Obviously, any of these programs that have television networks are creating a revenue that the other programs don't have in that regard. 
But BYU has all the leverage in this case because the, if the Big 12 wants them, BYU can just go into this meeting and say, hey, we're going to keep our television channel. And what can the Big 12 really say? <clears throat> but one of the things people talk about is the money aspect. Reportedly, BYU gets about $7 million a year right now. If the Big 12 keeps its contracts that they currently have now at the 14 to $20 million range, obviously BYU increases that money. And like I said, BYU would get to keep BYU TV in this circumstance because they, like I said, they have all the leverage. So I, I think it's, I think it's huge for them potentially to get that opportunity and to make more money. And the thing, the thing I'm intrigued with, if the three American, if the three AAC teams jump ship, what does the AAC do? Who are the three teams that the AAC then goes and tries tries to get? I, I think there's a mini number of candidates, and that's not something that's being talked about yet, just because we don't know about that. But I think I think everybody knows where I'm going to go with this. I think the Sun Belt, Coastal. Louisiana, App State are the three teams that jump out to me. I mean, obviously, there's some teams in Conference USA that are very deserving as well. Marshall, Florida Atlantic. I mean, there's there's some Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech. There's some teams there to, that would deserve to be in that conversation. But that's a conversation for the for the future, I guess, to see to see where that goes. But very very intrigued to see that and to see what could happen there. Now, now let's dive into the Alliance and my thoughts on that. The very, first off, I, I, got a, I got a good laugh out of that. The very next day when the Pac-12, ACC, and Big Ten said, hey, we're forming an Alliance. The very next day, USC announces a opening game of the 2024 season in Las Vegas against LSU from the SEC. So I got a good laugh out of that. I thought that was pretty funny. But because as soon as as soon as the report the reports were out and uh everybody started saying, "Oh, the alliance is for real and this is what they're doing." I'm like, the first thing I said is, "Who's going to jump ship first? <laughs> and and of course, it had to be a Pac-12 team. So it was, it was just kind of funny. But I, I, the thought or what's going on with the alliance is is kind of vague right now. Like they haven't really said too much on what it's going to do and what what teams are going to going to get out of it and what it's going to be. But I I think the most I think the thing for college football fans that we got to look at when it comes to that is really the games that are going to come from this. I, I think I think we all are look, uh, looking forward to. Ohio State playing a difficult opponent in the non-conference. I mean, let's face it. Ohio State has a history of playing some cupcakes. Let's just let's just call it how it is. I understand they're playing Oregon this year and and that's great and it it'll be a test for them and it, it, it's one of those alliance games, obviously, so that's kind of cool, too, how they were able to make that happen. There's a handful of games with that already with Michigan, with Washington going to Michigan, a couple games this week even. 
Um, Oregon State, Purdue. Obviously, that's not one of the marquee games, but still. But let me go back to talking about it'll be really nice to see Ohio State play somebody in the non-conference. I know I might take some heat for that for, from Ohio State fans, but I'm just calling it how it is, guys. It's like, normally, normally it's Cupcake City. So, what could we see? Clemson, Clemson. We could see Clemson playing playing a difficult game. There's a lot of really, really intriguing matchups that could, that can take place with this. Um, I mean, USC, UCLA, there's so many of the name brands that you see. It'll just be interesting to see how this goes and the matchups that are going to occur because of this. One thing, one thing that could happen, though, is <clears throat> what do you do if Ohio State loses an alliance game to USC in the future? And then they run the table in the Big Ten. What happens then? Well, obviously, it depends how good that USC team is that year. But it'll just be interesting to see how that plan, how that plays out in the future. One thing I think this is going to really, really help, though, is I personally think the gap between Clemson and the rest of the ACC is a lot less than the gap of Ohio State and everyone else in the Big Ten. Ohio State is so much better than everyone else in the Big Ten. They just are. And as a Michigan fan, it hurts for me to say that, but it's the truth. It is the absolute truth. Who is the next best team in the Big Ten? I mean, probably Wisconsin. And let's let's be honest there. I mean, they're not they're not a team that the rest of America fears. I mean, this year, I know a lot of people are picking Clemson, but North Carolina might be better. North Carolina might be the better football team. They have the better quarterback, I will say that, and Sam Howell. But the other team from the ACC that's right there is Boston College. I've already talked about them and how good I think they are. But let's... Let's get back to the alliance perspective. It, I think it'll be really, really interesting to see how that pans out over the next few years to see what really comes from that. All right. So now I'm going to talk about week zero. Really, really, like I said, to lead off, lead off the episode, really, really awesome to have college football back. One of the issues I think we all had with week zero was some of the matchups and Four out of the five games were complete blowouts. In the marquee game of the of the weekend, was two middle of the pack or even bottom of the pack Big Ten teams. But first, let's talk about. I was I was able to, like I said, I was able to watch bits and pieces of all five games. I was very. I think it's very very intriguing to see what UCLA was able to do. First off, let's talk about how empty the Rose Bowl was. For goodness sake. Get some people in the stands, UCLA. That was that was a travesty. But I digress. They looked really, really good running the football. It'll be really, really interesting to see if they're able to do that against LSU. I think not. But it'll be interesting. 
I think you got to tip your hat to Zach Charbonnet, the Michigan transfer. I think Michigan's going to miss him this year, but he had six carries for 106 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty impressive, to say the least, in his first showing. To get, he averaged almost 18 yards per carry, had a long of 47. I mean, it just, just a great game from him. He had a 21-yard run, a 47-yard run, and a 21-yard run. Those were all his. Those were his touchdowns. So you got to tip your hat to him and say, "Good job, young man, on that game." I, I think one thing that you look at that game is UCLA that much better, or is Hawaii's defense that bad? Obviously, it's probably a combination of the two. We'll learn a lot about UCLA this week against LSU. The next game I want to talk about, UTEP against at New Mexico State. And the way UTEP was just able to dominate that football game. I mean, really, really impressed watching that game on what UTEP was able to do in that game. <clears throat> UTEP has a couple skill players that, that you look at and you're just like, wow, like, UTEP might be able to make some noise in Conference USA. I didn't think that they were going to originally. But the skilled position players that they have, I mean, they got four good running backs. They got a stable of running backs. They got two really good receivers. And uh, I'm really, really impressed by them. Jacob Cohen, uh, a sophomore receiver for UTEP. And uh, Justin Garrett, a senior receiver for them, both put on amazing performances. Cohen had five catches for 158 yards and a touchdown. He had a 72-yard reception in that game. Garrett had four catches for 74 yards. So, I mean, this is going to be a really good team. Or, I really good skill position team, I should say. Just, just some really, really talented guys on that team. It'll be really, really interesting to see how that goes for them going forward next game we'll talk about san jose state against southern utah i think we all kind of figured san jose state would come out and look really really good in that game and nick starkle looked really really good he had one pick that was bad but i mean he came out there had was 16 for 27 for 394 yards and four touchdowns he even ran for a score as well so I, the Spartans looked really, really good in that game. And Southern Utah actually had some skill position, like some skill guys that weren't bad. And they got an offensive tackle that is going to be an NFL draft pick. So, I mean, Southern Utah turned, played San Jose State on Saturday. They're turning right around on Thursday and playing at Arizona State. So they're they're gonna get beat in pretty good but they're gonna get paid let's just say that next up gotta talk about fresno state yukon now i've talked about my partnership with sidelines yukon how i'm breaking down all the yukon games going into the year and this game against fresno state was one of the four games on yukon schedule that i said yukon could not win and that was definitely the case I watched the entire game. Um, it, it was it was rough. It was rough to watch, but you got to tip your hat to Fresno State. Fresno State has a really good football team, really really good. It'll be really interesting to see 
how Fresno State is going into Oregon this week and also San Jose State when they go to USC this week. I think both Oregon and USC need to be on upset alert. I'm not saying that those are going to be upsets, but both Fresno State and San Jose State can do it. The thing about Fresno State, their quarterback, Jake Hayner, had a great year last year, but then he came in he came in against UConn and played fantastic. 20 of 26 for 331 yards and three touchdowns. And he did that basically two quarters. I mean, it was a 0-0 zero to zero game at the end of the first quarter. And then Fresno State scored 31 points in that game. It, it was 31 points in the second quarter of that game, I should say. And Fresno State has three receivers that... I mean, they got a lot of receivers, but three that could be number ones. I'm just really, really impressed by that football team. One guy you got to mention, though, Ronnie Rivers. He broke the school record for touchdowns in a career in that game with his uh, with a reception TD there. It just to become the all-time leading touchdown man at a school, in a school like Fresno State, who has a history of good offense. You got to tip your cap to them for that. Now I'm going to talk about UConn here because because I have that partnership with Sideline UConn. I want to talk about them a little bit here. Let's face it, they looked bad. But one game does not make a season. One game doesn't make a season. Okay. Now 107 yards of total offense from UConn is not obviously is not good uh, but the one thing that UConn has to look at in my opinion running back Kevin Mensa has the opportunity to become the all-time leading rusher in school history he's about 1100 yards short of the school record he is he could arguably be the best player arguably the best running back in the history of UConn, one of the best offensive players in the history of UConn. <clears throat> and he had 11 touches in that game. Now, granted, I know the game got out of hand, but I'm going to speak from basketball perspective like, like I'm used to as a basketball coach. In basketball, you feed the hot hand. You keep going to the well until it dries up. When you have one of the best players that your program has ever had, you find ways to get him the ball. You have to find ways to get him the ball. And it, and it can't just be rushing. You got to get him the ball in space. I, it, it just blows my mind that they were unable to get him the ball more than 11 times. And like I said, I understand it was a blowout, but still, you got to get that young man the ball. But I will say, like I said, one loss does not make a season. I'm still going to stand by my prediction of UConn getting four wins, and one of them being this coming week against Holy Cross. Now let's talk about the game of the weekend. Nebraska at Illinois. First off, I want you, you got to tip your cap to Illinois. They showed up and they played well. 
they were up 30 to 9 with about six, with about 16 minutes to go in the game. Then Nebraska made it interesting, but tip your cap to Illinois for what they were able to do. Um, Brett Bielema had them ready, had them ready to go, and 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 it was it was exciting to watch. I was very disappointed that I was unable to go to that game. Won't be able to go to a game these first couple weeks of the season here. My wife is in a wedding, so but uh. It was just exciting to watch because I I only live about an hour, hour 15 from Champaign, from the University of Illinois. So that was a game I really, really wanted to get to, but I will definitely be getting there in the future. Brandon Peters started at quarterback for Illinois, and it it was disheartening to see him go down with that injury. You felt really bad for him. But in comes Arthur Sitakowski, and he played a fantastic football game. The Rutgers transfer came in and did just did his job and did it well. <clears throat> Twelve for fifteen, 124 yards and two touchdowns. Great job by him. Mike Epstein running the ball played fantastic. 16 carries, 75 yards and a touchdown. <clears throat> it just great job by that team by the University of Illinois. Somebody got to talk about Calvin Hart Jr., the North Carolina State transfer, played out of his mind that game. He was all over the field. I hope the injury that he got there towards the end of the game or towards the middle of the game wasn't too severe, but he he played really, really well. And Illinois has a promising future. How promising? I'm not sure. Because they're going to be tested this coming weekend against UTSA, Texas San Antonio, who I predict to win Conference USA. Running back Sincere McCormick is an All-American candidate. Very, very intrigued to see how that goes. But I I do believe, and and I actually picked Illinois to win the game in my uh, early season predictions. So I'm very, very intrigued to see how that how that goes for them and what they're able to build off of um and to see how the next game goes but i think now we need to talk about nebraska again one game doesn't make a season however one thing i did see on twitter is that Scott Frost in the Nebraska offense had to dump half of their offensive scheme at halftime because of how Illinois was aligned defensively. My my thing as a coach at that point turns into how are you not prepared in that situation for something like that to happen? I understand that Illinois has a new coaching staff this year. But you could have very well looked at the Brett Bielema teams from Wisconsin and from Arkansas and hit the coordinators that he has this year where they came from, and you could have formulated something. I, I don't understand how there's a scenario where you have to dump half of your scheme at halftime. I, it, it makes no sense to me that that would happen. I, I was really blown away by that. One other thing, or a couple other things to discuss here. 
is head coach head coach Scott Frost and what what the future looks like for this for the Nebraska program if you listened to my last episode of the podcast you you heard me and my guest Jake Saul basically ripping into Michigan and Jim Harbaugh here's an amazing stat for you guys though the next 38 games that Nebraska and Michigan play, Michigan would have to lose, go 0-38, and, and Scott Frost and Nebraska would have to go 37-1 and to, to tie Jim Harbaugh's record at Michigan. He would have to go 37-1. And, and, and this, this doesn't make me feel any differently about... Michigan in the direction that they're headed but however it does make me feel really really bad for the Nebraska fan base because of how far their program has fallen when they hired Scott Frost I thought I thought he he'd be able to do something because he he was coming from UCF and what they did his he how, what how he was able to turn UCF around from winless to undefeated in the short amount of time he did it I and with his history at Nebraska I I really thought that he was gonna be able to get it done there and and I I hope he can because you never you never want you never want an alum to do poorly at their school because you know how much it means to them and I know how much that job means to him but it, it just it's not working and the issue that nebraska is going to have now is scott frost has a 20 million dollar buyout in his contract and and i just don't see a scenario where you can pay a guy 20 million dollars to not coach your football team one other thing that needs to be discussed from that game is the play of quarterback adrian martinez and I think people are getting on him a little too, little too much, because what what we know about Adrian Martinez as a player, we know he is a run first quarterback, and that's what he's going to do. So the fact that a lot of people are just expecting him to come out there and complete eighty percent of his passes just isn't. It's just not going to happen. Now. It, from his perspective, maybe Nebraska isn't the right fit. Maybe he needs to be <clears throat> at a school like New Mexico where it's run heavy, where he can thrive a little better. Maybe it's just not the right fit. But, however, when he was a freshman at Nebraska, he played really well. It just has not gone the right way for him in the, in the past couple years. So now we're going to dive into week one and some of those upcoming games obviously it starts wednesday with uab against jacksonville state and the montgomery kickoff jacksonville state is a very good fcs program but obviously uab is a conference usa power and they have a good shot at potentially winning that league again this year so you can't really go against them but it will be fun to see 
Jacksonville State and how they fare in that game. Then you, you turn to Thursday where there's a, a good amount of games there. It'll be one of my favorites, Coastal Carolina, kicking off against the Citadel. I don't think I really need to talk too much about that game. Then you got Temple against Ruck, Temple at Rutgers. That game could be very, very interesting. Uh, be interesting to see. Rutgers is a 14-point favorite. I think that game could be closer. Um, Temple just named uh, uh, the Georgia transfer at quarterback. Uh, so it'll be really, really, really interesting to see how that goes. I'll say Rutgers wins, but I definitely think it's going to be closer than the two touchdown spread. And you got Long Island against FIU. You would hope FIU would get that one done, but FIU has a history of losing to FCS programs. Then next up on the docket, Boise State UCF, and I think this is a game we're all looking forward to. Historically, the two best group of five programs. It'll be really, really interesting to see Boise State make that trip to Orlando. I'm really, really fired up to see that game. I think UCF has all the pieces to have a really, really productive season. Dylan Gabriel is a really, really good quarterback. I think they're the better team than Boise State this year, and I think they get them. But that game's going to be really, really fun to watch. Then you got Western Illinois at Ball State. I have Ball State winning the MAC, so you can you can guess how I have that one going. Wagner at Buffalo, Buffalo also one of the better teams in the MAC. Weber State at number twenty four Utah. Utah should they could name the score in that game, I would imagine. Then the next game to talk about South Florida against NC State. That game will be interesting because NC State will be the clear favorite. South Florida with a new with a new coaching staff. It'll be interesting to see how they roll out there, um, and to just to, I think NC State is getting a lot of love early on as a potential ACC sleeper, and and that very well could be. I, I've told you guys who my ACC sleeper is, but uh, NC State's going to be very good. The spread for that game right now is eighteen and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see that one. Um, I think NC State is the clear, clear favorite, and they should definitely win the football game. Then East Carolina against App State. And I believe they're playing that game in Charlotte. I, I love the fact that App State gets this opportunity for this game here. <clears throat> East Carolina is going to have a good offense. They really will. Uh, their quarterback, very, very 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 talented but app state <clears throat> in their running game the last time we saw app state play we just saw, we saw them just run for a million yards in the bowl game against north texas um the the question the question for app state will be at quarterback if, if they get sufficient quarterback play from Chase Bryce, App State potentially has the best defense out of the group of five teams. 
Chase Bryce originally went to Clemson. He was Trevor Lawrence's backup. He saw action in a game. He led them to a come-from-behind come victory over Syracuse, which kept them alive in the national title hunt in, in 2018. So, I mean, there's no doubt that he could play, but last year at Duke, he was he was not good. He turned the ball over way too much. Now, granted, that might have something to do with Duke wasn't good. So may, maybe that had something to do with it, but <clears throat> but he's got to play better. He has to play better. I have App State winning that game. Then UC Davis, Tulsa. I think we can all guess how that one's going to go. And then probably the game of the night for Thursday, Ohio State at Minnesota. <clears throat> Will Minnesota be able to row the boat and pull the upset? I'm pulling for it, <clears throat> but I personally think Ohio State's going to be able to to take care of business. I think it'll be a close game to halftime, maybe even to the end of the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, but I think eventually Ohio State does pull away. Um, I, I'd love to be able to say there's going to be an upset there, but I just don't see it. Then the last five games on the dock at Bowling Green, Tennessee, UT Martin, Western Kentucky, Houston Baptist, New Mexico, Eastern Washington, UNLV, and Southern Utah against number 25, Arizona State. I, I think the only thing you're looking at for Bowling Green at Tennessee is the uh, the spread there. Tennessee is favored by five touchdowns. And I think there's some people that are saying, can Tennessee even score five touchdowns? They just named Joe Milton the starting quarterback there today, the Michigan transfer. I'm pulling for him. I, I'm i a fan of his. I know he didn't play very well last year, but I hope he does well, and I hope Tennessee does well with him. I think the only game on that, on that docket there that you look at is Eastern Washington at UNLV. Eastern Washington has a history of playing really, really well against these lower-level FBS teams, so UNLV needs to be on upset alert there. Then you look into Friday, obviously, the marquee game Friday, number 10, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. And I have North Carolina running the table going to the ACC championship, and I've been persuaded by a handful of people. I had them losing to Clemson in the ACC title game, but I now think that they are going to win the ACC, go undefeated, and play in the college football playoff. In the next episode, I have a special guest that I'm really looking forward to talking about who has, who is one of those people that has convinced me to hop on the North Carolina bandwagon as the ACC champ and a college football playoff contender. College, Not just contender, but participant in the college football playoff. I think that game can be close, um, but North Carolina is just the better team. They just are. I mean, Justin Fuente needs a big win, obviously, and that would be a huge win, but North Carolina is just better. Then <clears throat> the next game, Duke at Charlotte. 
this this is the biggest game potentially in Charlotte's young history as a program. Um, an opportunity to beat an ACC team, in-state ACC team, and I actually think they're going to be able to do it. They're they're better than Duke in my. I, I think that they're better and they can win this game, and I think they will. I really do. I think that's going to be one of the upsets I see happening in Week One. Then you got Old Dominion, Wake Forest. Wake Forest should just beat the brakes off them. Honestly, Old Dominion is going to struggle. Then St. Francis, PA against Eastern Michigan. Eastern should run away with that. Kansas hosts South Dakota. This is probably the only game on Kansas on the Kansas's schedule that the Jayhawks can win. So they better take care of business. Then you got Northern Colorado at Colorado and South Dakota State at Colorado State. South Dakota State could could surprise could surprise Colorado State, but I see Colorado State pulling it off. And then the big one of the big games uh, Friday, the Big Ten matchup, Michigan State against North at Northwestern. That game will be really, really interesting. I see Northwestern winning that game, but it's going to be close and it's going to be a defensive battle. I think um, just the history that those two have of being defensive programs, they're just going to play hard, um, running the football. I think it's it'll be. I think it's going to come down to who makes the least mistakes in that game. And I think it'll be Northwestern pulling that one out. Then Saturday, the slate we got going there, Western Michigan at Michigan. If you listened to the last episode of my podcast, me and Jake, like I said, me and Jake Saul talked about Michigan a lot, but we also talked about Western Michigan. That game, I think, is going to be a lot closer than people think. I, I really do. I think that that – I have Michigan winning, of course, but – it's got a 17-point spread. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. I could even see it being a one-score game, even just a touchdown. Another another game to look at, Oklahoma against Tulane. They had to move that game to Norman. It's supposed to be played in New Orleans, but obviously with everything going on in Louisiana, first off, prayers to everybody in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. Hope Hope you're all doing okay after everything that happened with the, with Hurricane Ida. But uh, I, think, I, I think we can all say Oklahoma is the better team, um, clearly. But uh, I think we're all sentimentally pulling for Tulane in that game. Another big matchup, Penn State at Wisconsin. What a, what a way to start the season for those two. That'll be, that'll be a battle. That'll be a fun one to watch. Um, I see Wisconsin pulling that one out. I, I see Wisconsin potentially running the table until they get to the Big Ten championship game. I, I just think they're they're really, really good. Um, then you got Louisiana Monroe at Kentucky. Don't really need to talk about that. Colgate at Boston College. Um, I already talked about Holy Cross UConn. I think the UConn is going to get that one. I think they win by at least three touchdowns. Another intriguing game, Stanford against Kansas State. I, that one will be really, really interesting. They're playing that in Jerry's world. Um, I I really see Kansas State being a potential sleeper in the Big Twelve, and I could. I I mean, they, 
I see him winning that game, and it, it could lead to something really good down the road for them. Um, then you got Army Georgia State. That's a that's a good that's a good game. That those are two. Georgia State is the obviously there's the top three in the Sun Belt, but then it comes Georgia State. That's gonna be a really close game, and I think Georgia State is able to win that. Fordham against Nebraska. Poor Nebraska fans, you guys better win that one. Uh, Fresno State at Oregon. The line on that is twenty and a half, which I think is ridiculous. Fresno State. We just we saw how good they are. I mean, come on. That is a. I'm not saying Fresno State's gonna beat Oregon, but Oregon better be ready to play. And if they're not ready, they will lose that football game. Rice and Arkansas. Arkansas should run away with that. Air Force should run away with Lafayette. Then you got Alabama against Miami. And I think Al- I think this is one of those typical Alabama opening season games where the team that they're playing, you're high on going into the game, and then Alabama ends up winning 41 to 17 and you're like, "Well, how good is that how good is that team going to be now?" How good is Miami? <laughs> I, I I just see I see it happening. I just see Alabama doing what they do in these type of games, coming out and just dominating like they do. I, that's just I, that's how I see that one going. Miami, Ohio at Cincinnati. Cincinnati clearly the better team. I have Cincinnati running the table. Indiana at Iowa, I think is going to be might be the best game of the day. Um, besides. The game we'll get to later. Indiana, Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback at Indiana, is going to put up some amazing numbers this year. And I think that they go into Iowa and, and get that one. I really do. Then you got Marshall at Navy. That one's a toss-up, I think. I, I, I think Marshall had a really good year last year, and I predict that they will again this year. But anytime you go against the triple, you, you it, it's intriguing. Then you got West Virginia at Maryland. West Virginia is the better football team, but Maryland can score points, so that one will be fun. I see West Virginia pulling that one out. Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State has really good high-end talent. Like their their goods are really good, but the spread of twenty-three and a half in that game, I think that that's a bit crazy because Louisiana Tech's really good. They're going to be a really good team in Conference USA. I think that they definitely stay much. I think it'll be much closer than that. I think Mississippi State wins by two touchdowns, maybe 17, but that game's going to be closer than people think. Central Michigan at Missouri. Missouri should take that one. UMass at Pitt. Pitt should take that, but UMass is much, much better. I've done some research on them, gotten to know their fan base a little bit more. First off, great fan base, top-notch fan base. But they're much better than what they've been in the past, and I, I see them really coming in and being able to do something. I, 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 they're not going to – I don't see them beating Pittsburgh, but this isn't going to be the typical 0-12, 1-11 UMass team. So – Wyoming over Montana State, obviously. Iowa State over Northern Iowa, obviously. Louisiana at Texas. I have Louisiana going into Austin and winning by two touchdowns. Louisiana, Texas is the most overrated team in college football this year. 
Louisiana is better. They're better. I'm, that's that's how I'm going to leave that one. San Jose State at USC. I've already kind of talked about this one. USC needs to be ready, just like Oregon. If they're not ready, they will lose to that Mountain West team. Liberty gets Campbell. Gardner-Webb, Georgia Southern. Akron-Auburn. Eastern Illinois, South Carolina. Monmouth, Middle Tennessee. Obviously, I think we kind of see how all those are going. Syracuse going to Ohio. I think that's a potential upset game there. Ohio... After losing Frank Solich, I think they play inspired this year, and I think I think they got they have a real real shot of winning that game. And I pick Ohio to beat Syracuse there. Purdue against Oregon State, I think that's a very evenly matched game. I think Purdue just wins that game because they're the home team. If it was in Corvallis, I would say Oregon State, but I think that's a very very evenly matched game there. Then Texas Tech against Houston at NRG Stadium there. That game's going to be really, really good, I think. I think those teams are evenly matched. And originally when I did my predictions, I had Texas Tech winning that game, but the more research I've done into that game, I feel like Houston is going to pull that one off um, just because I think for no other reason than that they want to prove themselves to the Big 12. I, I think that's a big deal to them. Oklahoma State against Missouri State. <clears throat> Baylor going to Texas State. Um, Texas State has an opportunity in that one to get a huge, huge win. That would be huge for the Sun Belt, be huge for that program. I don't see it happening, but it would be really cool to see. Memphis against Nichols. SMU against Abilene Christian. Toledo against Norfolk State. Arkansas State against Central Arkansas. Troy against Southern. Florida against Florida Atlantic, North Texas against Northwestern State, Illinois UTSA. That one will be interesting. Illinois obviously coming off the big win that we just talked about, but like I said, I have UTSA winning Conference USA. So I, I this is, I think this is a trap game for Illinois. I think Illinois is riding high, and I think UTSA comes in with their All American potential All American running backs, Asir McCormick. I think they steal one in Champaign. I really do. Georgia Tech over Northern Illinois. Virginia, William & Mary. Texas A&M, Kent State. Washington, Montana. Vandy, East Tennessee State. Southern Miss at South Alabama. South Southern Miss is one of my sleepers, and I see them going to Mobile and getting that W. Duquesne at TCU. Bethune-Cookman at UTEP, New Mexico State at San Diego State, Utah State at Washington State, and then Portland State at Hawaii. I think we all see those, obviously, for what they are. BYU against Arizona in Vegas. Arizona is not going to be good, and I think BYU wins that game potentially by two touchdowns or more. Um, Nevada at Cal. That's an interesting game. Cal's coming off a Cal has a chance to, to make some noise in the Pac-12, but Nevada has NFL skill position players and an NFL quarterback. I see Nevada going into Cal Berkeley and winning that game. The next one, LSU at UCLA. UCLA obviously played really well this weekend, 
but LSU is better. Let's just be honest. I, I just don't see a scenario where UCLA is able to run the ball like they were able to against UCLA or against uh, Hawaii. They're just not going to be able to do that against LSU. Then, of course, the game of the week, the game of the weekend, Georgia-Clemson. Not only is this game the game of the week, but but this game could be college football playoff, semifinal. It could even be the national title game. I mean, that's how good both these teams are. I, I've been going back and forth on it on who I think who I think is the better team who I think is gonna win this game it I I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Clemson I think Clemson is gonna run the table into the ACC championship until they play North Carolina but I also think Georgia is going to run the table after this game, after losing to Clemson, and I think it's going to be extremely close. Both quarterbacks are really good. Both defenses are really good. I mean, it's just good on good. That's what this game is. Um, just good on good to start the year. And it's great for all of us fans to see, and I'm super, super excited to watch that game Saturday night. It's going to be a good one. And then Sunday night... We get Notre Dame at Florida State. I think all I think a lot of us sentimentally are pulling for Florida State after losing Bobby Bowden, and I hope that they come out there and they play so inspired, and I hope that they're able to find a way to pull off that upset. I really do, and I'm not just saying that because I'm not a fan of Notre Dame. I'm just saying that because I think it'd be really, really cool to see them pull that out for the sentimental value in it. However, I do see Notre Dame winning. And then the final game of the weekend on Labor Day, Louisville against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is just better, guys. Matt Carroll is a Heisman contender. He's going to come out there, throw for a million yards, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch that offense play all year. <clears throat> well, that's my week one breakdown for the season. Really, really excited to get, get things kicked off on Wednesday then really get it going Thursday. Um, like I said, uh, hope you guys enjoy listening. Um, really looking forward to the next episode. I don't want to reveal who my guest is, but I'm really, really excited to have him on. He is, he, he is one of the best in the business. Very, very excited um, to talk college football with him. And he is going to be doing the same journey I'm doing, trying to attend all the venues. Looking forward to seeing where he's going, not only this week. He's got a really, really cool schedule that he's going to go go on this week, three games in three days. Um, but excited to see where he's looking to go throughout the season, too. Um, my schedule for going to games this season is up in the air with... Like I said before, my my wife is in a wedding coming up, so I can't go to games these first couple weeks. Got some games that I'm looking at lined up to go to the end of the month, early October. But like I said, I have two young children. My goal is to go to five games this year. And if I'm able to go to more, great. 
but I don't want to put all that on my wife's plate like that. <laughs> but like I've said, guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have a good night. God bless.